Hi there and welcome to another King's Daily and continuing to work our way through the Gospel of John coming to the end of chapter 19 going to read some verses um, coming just after Jesus has, has died on the cross in um, the previous verse Jesus uttered those um, well-known words of it is finished as he gives his life for us on the cross and we're going to pick it up in verse 31 and read through to verse 37 and again just to say if there's noise in the background the building work continues outside our front door so that's what you might be able to hear in the background but let's read this verse 31 then the Jews because it was the day of preparation so the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath for their Sabbath was a high day asked Pilate that they, their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken, and again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they've pierced. I want to focus on verse 34. that um, says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. Why did they do that? If he's dead already, maybe it was to make sure uh, he was dead. But there's significance in this as well. And through history, there have been sort of three views of what this blood and water represents. And in some ways, uh, in these verses, as in many coming to the end of the John's Gospel, they pull together a number of themes that we have right through this story of Jesus. And the first um, sort of way that this has been taught is that the blood and water teach Jesus' true humanity. That, that he, he bled, that he died, that he is, the, in John chapter 1, the Word become flesh. He is God with us that um, he was fully human. He says here that his testimony is true, that we saw these things. Throughout John's Gospel, he says that we, yeah, we, we, we saw him, we ate with him, we touched him. This is, this is God in the flesh. Massive claim. And uh, I, I love um, Peter Lewis, who's written this book called The Glory of Christ. He writes this about Jesus' humanity. He says, in that humanity, he felt pleasure and pain as we feel pleasure and pain. In that human nature, he laughed and cried and hoped and feared and knew delight and disappointment. In that human nature he received and gave, he blessed and suffered, was tempted as man and perfected as mediator. And uh, in Hebrews, it reminds me of that in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 when it talks about Jesus being our high priest, the one who brings us to God, the one who um, is tempted in every way just as we are, who sympathizes with us in our weakness, who, who knows what it's like, who suffers and can understand and yet you know, we approach him with confidence and boldness to receive grace and find mercy in our time of need. This is who Jesus is. He knows what it's like. He knows what it is to be tempted. Uh, he knows what it is to walk through these things and he identifies with us and sympathizes with us. So it teaches Jesus' true humanity. The second thing that's been taught through this is Jesus' forgiveness through, of sin through his blood that comes out, but then the water as well, some would say, points to the Holy Spirit and God's empowering presence in our lives. Um, the, the context here of the, 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 um, the high day, the Sabbath that is talked about here is the start of the Passover week, this 
celebration reminder for the Israelites of God's deliverance for them out from Egypt out from slavery out from a power that was greater than that they were under they couldn't get themselves out of and how God comes and delivers them out from that from darkness into light from death into life from slavery into freedom and this is the picture that we're to have of what Jesus' death does for us for the forgiveness of sin and again pointing back into the beginning of John's gospel um, behold the Lamb of God the Lamb slain for the sins of the world pointing back the fulfillment of Scripture as we just read that not a bone would be broken and that relates back to Exodus when um, Moses talks about celebrating the Passover and the lamb's bones wouldn't be broken. So all these promises pointing to who Jesus is and what he's done. So this blood points to the forgiveness for us, the, the, the grace of God to us, that it's solely on what he has done for us, not what we can do for God or for ourselves. But secondly is the water metaphor here as well, where um, pointing to the presence of God for his people, God's empowering presence. Again, back into John's Gospel, chapter 15, where Jesus says, you can do nothing apart from me. He says to the disciples, wait until you've got the Holy Spirit, wait until you've got my presence with you to help you. You can't do this on your own. Bible says not by might not by power but by my spirit says the Lord there's this dependence on God on his presence and help in our lives and the third thing it teaches some would say it teaches baptism and then communion um, in terms of the water being baptism and um, when you're baptized it's a, that picture of the gospel dying with Christ being raised to a new way of living through his resurrection and then the, the, the blood pointing to, some would say, to communion, this ongoing meal that God gives us to say, feed off Jesus, feed off his grace. We never graduate from grace. We never move on from the gospel of grace. And so there's these wonderful reminders through this image of the blood and the water of who Jesus is, of what he's done and what he's like. And again, another theme in verse 35 here is, so that you might believe, John says. This is why I'm writing this, so you might believe. And again, this theme through John's gospel, this word believe is repeated time and time and time again. It's not a kind of one-off static, um, I believe in Jesus, well that's it. It's an ongoing entrusting ourselves to him. One writer used the phrase, um, it's, a, it's, it's believing into Jesus, entrusting ourselves to him, to the one who sympathizes today. It's saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. I thank you, you understand what it's like to struggle and suffer. Um, you know what it's like. And he's one who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and in our temptation. Today, we entrust ourselves to him. We entrust ourselves to him for his grace to us and his forgiveness for where we fail. The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our failures as we forgive others as well. We entrust ourselves to the one who promises to strengthen us with grace, to give us his Holy Spirit to us, to enable us to live the life he's called us to live. That's the way we walk every day. And I love the way, again, another writer puts it. It says, believing into Jesus, trusting ourselves to Jesus, is a living, repeated movement, like breathing or walking. I hope it's been helpful. Take care. See ya.